right? And if you're making those sales under your own name for the beginning, great. What I hate seeing is when businesses are stuck trying to choose a name for months. I can't come up with a name, you know, and then, you know, I can't decide on a logo, Mm-hmm. I don't want to swear on your podcast, so I won't. <laughs> but it's like, just get on with it. I'm Valerie Koo from the Australian Writers' Centre, and you're listening to my friend Ash Roy on ProductiveInsights.com. Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast, where you can learn how to systemize, automate, and scale your business via the internet. To access previous episodes and useful productivity tips, go to www.productiveinsights.com. Now, here's your host, Ash Roy. I'm Ash Roy, the founder of ProductiveInsights.com, and this episode is brought to you by the Productive Insights Done For You podcast launch service, which positions you as a leading authority in your market and successfully turns listeners into high-value customers. Book a call with me on callashroy.com and find out how we can get started today. All the show notes and the resources mentioned in this episode are available at ProductiveInsights.com forward slash 134. Some related podcast episodes that you might find very useful include episode number one with Neil Patel, the founder of Kissmetrics, and we talk about branding and specifically about how Warren Buffett and Steve Jobs had to deal with the precarious terrain around keeping their personal brands and their business brands separate to the extent that they could. In episode 110, I talked to Jeff Bullis about how to create a powerful brand using social media. Episode 126 with Rand Fishkin has some great information around one versus multiple domains and whether you should use one or more, and that relates back to your branding, given that branding is pretty synonymous with domain names these days. Episode 54 with Mackenzie Fogelson, where we talk about the three keys to community building, authenticity, and long-term business success, which is a very important thing for membership-based businesses, given that their brand is strongly linked to the culture that they build within their communities. And last but definitely not the least, in fact, probably one of the most important episodes I've done on branding is episode 128 with international news anchor Julie McDonald, who happens to be one of my dearest friends and also one of my clients. We talked about actionable strategies you can use to build authenticity and an enduring brand in the media. So I definitely recommend you go and check those out. You can access that most recent one I mentioned at ProductiveInsights.com forward slash 128. I think that's a great place to start. Okay, well, I've got some great information in store for you. I hope you enjoy it. On with the show. Hello, everyone. This is Ash Roy, the founder of ProductiveInsights.com. Welcome back to the Productive Insights podcast. Today's guest is a blogger, a podcast host, and a public speaker who's spoken at events all over the USA and Australia. She's co-founded a boutique publishing company, which has sold more than 1.2 million books, including the longtime bestseller Rich Dad Poor Dad. Ever since she started this business in a spare room of her apartment in 1994, She's believed in using the power of business to create freedom and express passion while making a difference to the world. For the last 20 years, she's been committed to helping women in business and has built a thriving community of more than 30,000 women and men 
around the world who are stepping up and taking action by starting and growing businesses and lives they love. To help them have breakthroughs in their business, her community delivers lifelong learning tools to its members. We had her as a guest on the show back in episode 62, and today I'm delighted to welcome back my friend and successful entrepreneur, Susie Daphnis from HerBusiness.com. Welcome, Susie. Hey, it's so great to be back. I don't know how long ago episode 62 was, but I, I feel like it was a long time ago now, but uh, it's, it's a pleasure to be back. It's great to have you back. It was about 60 episodes ago. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I haven't aged a bit. Just, Not a just bit. letting you know. Good. Neither have I. <laughs> okay. So Susie, we're here to talk today about branding and rebranding in particular. Now, you recently rebranded your business from Australian Business Women's Network to herbusiness.com. And I love that new name, by the way. Thank and you. In this podcast, we talk a lot about branding because I do believe it's a very important part of what contributes to what Warren Buffett calls the durable competitive advantage. Steve Jobs was very infatuated with the idea of brands as well, and uh, he really held Nike high up in um, his regards, mainly because of how well they eulogized athletes and you know created the brand around them. So I'd love for you to share your thoughts on why you see branding as being important in business and why our listeners should consider a brand strategy is an important part of their business strategy. Mm. So you mentioned a couple of brands there, Apple, Nike. Mm -hmm. Quite often we think of branding, we think of these big brand names, Volvo, you know, Mercedes-Benz and, and the qualities of those. But I think there are two types of people when it comes to brands and when they're starting a business or have a small business. There's those that really fuss about the name, the colour, the font, their brand, yeah. and others that don't even really consider they're a brand and they don't think about it and they name themselves things like Peter Smith and Associates, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm on the fussing side of things because okay. words really matter to me and brands matter. And I'll explain why. But when I first got involved with and then purchased the business you mentioned, the Australian Business Women's Network, I was really torn about the name because uh -huh. it's while it said what it was, it was a business women's network for Australian women, uh -huh. it sounded a little traditional. Uh -huh. It was li it limiting us to Australia. It was limiting us pretty much to women, uh -huh. but it actually had already been around for about seven years. And so I didn't want to go ahead and, and make too many changes because it had an audience. Um, but then there were a couple, you know, a bunch of logistical things like there were URLs and email addresses and, and, you know, all this collateral and PR around that name. And that name served us for 20 years because the people we were working with were coming to us because they were looking for an association style organization. And that's what we were producing. We were getting government contracts and sponsorship. And so we sounded like the kind of organization the government would support. But mm. as we got more and more online and we moved more to producing events and courses and masterminds and podcasts and doing all this kind of publishing, the name became less and less relevant. Okay. But I had tucked up my sleeve many years ago, the URL, herbusiness.com and .com.au, the Twitter handle, the Facebook page, the whatever it is I could grab because in the back of my mind, I was just waiting for the right opportunity to roll into that new way of being in the world. But, you know, it, changing your brand name, establish it after you've established it for a while can be really tricky. Yes. 
you made a couple of points which I just want to bring out. What you talked about, I completely agree with. There are two types of people, you know, people who are brand conscious and people who are not. And there's all this discussion you can go into about brand equity and so on and so forth, which we can talk about it in the future. But you made a really important practical point. You said you got the .com and you got the .com.au. I have a podcast launch service. And as part of that launch service or in any other situation, when my clients are looking to secure a URL, I always tell them, get the .com.au if you're in Australia, but get the .com as well, because it's an important defensive strategy. You don't want somebody else squatting on the .com. I agree. And also, I think, you know, people can be a little uh, assumptive or even lazy in their searching and they'll only put in .com. you, You do want to lock up both whenever you can. And so thinking ahead of any, you know, if you've got names, I'm one of those people who does register URLs. I don't know if you do that too. Yes, I do. <laughs> as, I, as I have these middle of the night thoughts, I'm like, I need that. Oh, I want absolutely. that. And I, and I probably registered more than I need, but wherever I can get the .com.au, even if it means changing your strategy. And it's not only because we're now more international. You might be a local-based business in a small suburb in Sydney mm. and you think, well, what does it matter? But it's like for the price of securing it, mm. why not? Exactly. Why not have it? Because you could always sell the domain. This That's not what this episode is about, but I've sold domains that I've mm. bought, you know, for a good profit. So, um, but yeah, get get both wherever you can and get .com and de- .com.au. I would really avoid getting .net, .biz, mm. you know, all these other things that have been created to sell domain names. I totally agree. I have a client who is an ex-BBC news anchor and I was doing a consulting session with her the other day and she said, you know what you're good at? You're getting good at getting people to done. So as soon as we finished that conversation, I went and checked out getmetodone.com and it was available. <laughs> so I took it. <laughs> good for you. Good for you. All right. So let's bring it back to uh, our conversation about branding. So why do you think branding is so important to businesses and Do you think that small businesses should be conscious about their brands as much as big businesses? Yeah, um, I'd love to talk about that. And then I do want to take you a little bit on um, our journey and how we sort of broke out the branding. But just on small businesses, I think that even if you're a solopreneur, your brand is not about your logo or the colors or any of that. It really is about how your clients perceive you. Mm -hmm. And how they perceive you does depend on what you put in your social posts, the words you use, how you introduce yourself, your elevator pitch. It does matter what colors you use, what photos you use on your website, and the way that your email communications or the postcards you print if you work offline. um, All that matters because it's how does my client perceive me when they come across me? And more often than not, they're going to come across you because they've either met you in person which happens less and less these days but mm-hmm. um, in some industries but more so when they google you what do they find what does it mm-hmm. look like and so one of the things that we teach people on our uh, courses and on our content source podcast which you mentioned to me that you've been listening to mm-hmm. is about the idea of saying who is my ideal client because that is the only person that matters because that is the only person the brand really needs to appeal to mm-hmm. and resonate with so it's much more about saying who is my target audience mm-hmm. and doing the work, doing the you know uh, activities to find out who that ideal client is, what age are they, do they have children, do they not, um, how congruent is what you're putting out there with what they can resonate with. Because so for instance, most of the uh, women in the her business community are over 30 and they're self-employed women mm-hmm. um, and so there's no point me having photos of teenage women 
or boys <laughs> on my website. I know you laugh and it sounds obvious, but it's not. Yeah. It's also not appropriate for me to have women in grey suits sitting around a boardroom table, table mm-hmm. because of most of my community work from home, you know, in their trackies <laughs> <laughs> with the dog on, you know, under yeah. the, the table for the first few years of their business. Mm. So I can't have it look too corporate. Mm. And also, we're a professional organisation and people do come to us for business. So we do keep quite a conversational but professional tone. Mm. But we don't use text language, for instance. If you look at, you know, and sometimes I have, uh, I, well, I, I don't write any of my own tweets. I don't tweet personally, you know, I like, mm-hmm. I won't go into that. But um, when um, my staff is taking my language and putting it into tweets, they know that they're not going to use LOL. Hmm. you know, or other text language because that's not how I speak. That's not part of my brand. And one of the things that we did do in the rebranding, and this is a message to all your listeners but especially the women, hmm. I made a very uh, – I got nudged a little bit, <laughs> but I made a decision that I was going to be part of the brand a lot more. I wasn't going to be behind the name of the company, okay. but that uh, more and more – even though people who'd been around my organization kind of knew me, my face wasn't on the website, you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't in our emails, and that was a very deliberate and long thought out decision because I really wanted the audience to connect more with me and Mm -hmm. my values and what I'm about. And that's who I really wanted to serve, people that valued what I valued. Um, And again, so for some of you who are solopreneurs, you are the whole brand. That's great. You might want to think of it from another perspective. If I'm going to grow and sell this business, what else needs to be part of my brand other than just me? Okay, look, you've dropped a lot of very interesting points there. Now, I just want to bring out some valuable insights you've, you've shared. So you talked about telling your team not to use the word LOL because that's not something you would normally use. What I think we touched on there was brand personality and brand consistency. And this is where our listeners should consider having something what we'd call a style guide where you have you know consistent colors and consistent images. But some brands choose to have more explicit language in their general communications. And that's okay if that's what the brand stands for. And some brands choose not to. So you need to be consistent with that. And when someone Googles you, they need to find consistent messaging and consistent styling in terms of your colors and your images and your the words that you use, as you said. So that's definitely something to consider when you're looking at your brand strategy. Another really interesting point that came up for me when you were just talking about putting yourself out there more in the brand, I remember in the very first podcast episode, I spoke to Neil Patel, the founder of Kissmetrics, and we talked about the benefits and the disadvantages of having a personal brand behind Mm. a big name. And we talked about Steve Jobs with Apple, and when he passed away, Apple's shares tanked, and now Warren Buffett with Berkshire Hathaway. Could you talk to us about that and weave that into your journey as well and into your decision-making process? Were you concerned that one day if you want to sell your business, herbusiness.com, and Susie is very much a part of that brand, could that affect the selling price because you would be associated with the brand? Mm, absolutely. And um, there are all things to consider depending on where you're going next. So if tomorrow um, I wanted to exit and I want to try and get top dollar for the business, then what I would need to do is bring up other faces, other people, really bring up the brand. But the stage that we're in right now, 
is that we made the decision that me being at the helm and visible Mm -hmm. is going to be the way to grow it to its next level right now. So you can change your strategy depending on what it is that you want to do. I think some people, especially small business owners who don't have a team and don't necessarily have a big focus on growth, can get really caught out. And I've heard this member say this. So we do these quarterly strategy sessions with our premium members and they'll say, look, I've brought on so many clients now. This is especially people who sell services. Brought so many clients, but my clients all want me. Mm, right? They exactly. don't want to work with the other person. It's like, well, you've created your own bed. Now lie exactly. in it. <laughs> because <laughs> because you you know, you want to be creating the future so that, you know, as you're bringing on new clients, you're introducing them to your team member. You're introducing them to a solid system. This is mm. the way we're going to get results for you. So for instance, if you were a uh, an um, internal, um, what do you call them, like a stylist mm-hmm. company for a home, it's not about what I'm going to do for your home, but it's like this is the system we have for, for generating the best results for you. And this is the system that we are going to take you through to determine what field you want for your home, you know, what um, you need because you've got young children, you know, where you're going to stock, the, uh, put the Lego bits, you know. Right. So, But it's about the results that the business is going to create. And so, you, again, you want to be really deliberate. And some people start a business and they never imagine they even want another staff member. And that's okay. Then mm. you want to be prepared to know that, you know, um, you know, Mary Smith Accounting Services might be that forever. And so, when you do sell your business, it might be that you're selling a client list. Or if it's Mary Smith Real Estate, then you're selling the rent roll. But if you want to leverage, if you really want to scale and grow the business, then sometimes it's better to have it different to your name. Now, if you have a unique ability, if you're Madonna, uh-huh. you know, if you're Prince, uh-huh. to my favorite all-time ever <laughs> artist, um, then you are going to be the brand till the day you die. Yep. And, and so you don't care. Absolutely. That's such an important point that in some cases you accept that you are the brand because you are the product. In Madonna and and Prince's case, that was the case. If you are building a brand and even if it is something that you eventually want to hand over, what I'm hearing you saying is systems that deliver consistent results. And I can't remember where I read this. Maybe it was in one of my MBA case studies. But one of the things that made McDonald's so successful is consistency of results. They've systemized their business but they produce a consistent result. You get the same tasting burger Mm. wherever you go, whichever McDonald's store you go to. And you want that if you've got a business and people are uh, and different staff. You want to be sure that the client. So, for instance, we have a mentoring program. We've done offered mentoring for nearly twenty years. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure that whether you get uh, Peter, Paul, or Mary, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, the results that you're going to get from our mentoring product is the same. Exactly. And so that takes training people, letting people know that you know we're going to match you with the best consultant or mentor, as it is in our case. Um, the other thing I just wanted to bring up is because we talked about branding guidelines, and what I want, especially small business operators to not get hung up on is that you need this great big document that's going to be um, onerous to put together. Okay. You just want to get, you know, what is my, what are the colors we use, you know, and we use them consistently. You don't want people opening your emails and one day you've got a red banner and the next day you've got a yellow banner and the next day it's a green banner. And one day, you know, your signature is one way and one it's another way. It's just inconsistent. Consistency builds trust. So when you get one of our emails, you know it's pretty much going to have some of the same components. You know, even the photo that you use for yourself, when you choose your PR shot, you know, that wonderful professional photo that you have of yourself, Mm -hmm. 
you use it consistently. Yes. It's actually really easy. It's easier to have a branding strategy and stick to it than to be starting with a blank canvas every time you put together something to go out there. Such a good point. So don't overthink it. Should small businesses be brand conscious when they're starting off, assuming that they're not a Madonna or a Prince? Do you recommend that? I think that uh, it can be a really great way to procrastinate getting started. <laughs> you you want to get started. And the things that we always recommend in our programs is you get started by identifying a client, identifying a market, putting together an offer, and then starting to make sales, right? And if you're making those sales under your own name for the beginning, great. What I hate seeing is when businesses are stuck trying to choose a name for months. I can't come up with a name, you know, and then, you know, I can't decide on a logo, I don't want to swear on your podcast, so I won't. <laughs> but it's like, just get on with it. It doesn't matter. When it, I started my first business, it was an events business. And um, uh, we called it Powwow Events. But we weren't really clear if we were going to do events or mark because my background was in marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, or there was one other aspect. And so we called it Powwow Events Marketing and something else. I don't know. It was the longest yeah. name because we just couldn't decide. And in yeah. the end, we became very clear that the way that we were going to support people is through events. So we chopped out the rest of it. So I, I just wanted to give that um, as an example. Also, my title, I found my business card the other day. It was principal. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> what is that? I don't even know what that is. But somehow at the time, but I look at it now and I go, what? you know, but it evolved. That's where I started because I wanted to sound professional and include everything in the branding, you know. Mm. There was email addresses and CompuServe addresses at the time, you know, there were all these things. Um, but we paired it back. What are we really about? So when we went from Australian Business Women's Network to herbusiness.com, mm-hmm. we, it just got tighter, more concise. Mm. I really like herbusiness.com. I think it's a lot simpler. It's a lot clearer. And something I've always felt about a URL or a business title is it should either call out the audience or the product or both if possible. And I think her business captures it beautifully. The other thing it does that's been a wonderful way for us to leverage is it can be used as a as term. So, for instance, her business network, her business mentor, her oh, yes. business. Do you know what I mean? So we can build sub brands off of the core brand, and that's been really useful. Mm. So, was that a major factor in deciding to rebrand from Australian Business Networks to her business? I preferred the name. I thought it was more congruent with me, with what the business does. It sounded less formal and less detached, if you like, than an association name did. Um, And it also allowed us to be international. So as we, um, you know, we've been online for a long time. We've been delivering webinars since uh, 2006. You know, we've had a website since they were available sort of thing. Um, And more and more we were getting inquiries um, from people overseas and herbusiness.com just allowed us it just made us more open to people joining us. So right now we have members in Singapore, in America, in Canada, in the UK, um, and there's not a lot of them. Most of our audience is still in Australia because we've been doing this for such a long time. Mm-hmm. But it means, but the doors are now open, mm-hmm. and you can access what we do from anywhere, and it doesn't feel weird that you're, you know, you'd be doing something with the Australian Business Women's Network. And to come back to your earlier point, you know, you said don't let brands and logos and all that sort of stuff get you hung up. You are the perfect example for that because I think the key is just get started with what you have, identify your target client, deliver awesome value to that client, build a business around it, and you can always change your brand later like you did. 
Right. One of our, one of my clients who's part of our, we do a year long marketing mastermind. Uh, she's a lawyer mm-hmm. and she's, you're not your average lawyer. She's, she's young. She's female. She's gorgeous. She's got this amazing, like lopsided haircut. This sort of undercut is what I mean. Um, and she looks really hip and her brand looked very lawyerish originally and even the name of the company and we've just worked with her to redo her logo and a sub-brand and to really have it express her personality. Now, you know, she went with what she had. She did the best with what she had but as she started to get clear on who she was and how she wanted to appear in the world, she's been able to transition that and so you can do that at any time. The one thing I want to say is give yourself loads of lead time. The act of rebranding is a lot more work um, then, like right now, a good friend of mine who owns a gym uh, is about to rebrand and he came to me and he said, can you just tell me what I need to do? He said, because I feel like there's so many loose ends mm. because because there are. There's so many places once you've, you know, where you've registered your name or where you appear or, you know, things in your documentation uh, that do need to change. And, you know, it's been a year and we're still uncovering things. We've still got old you know, email addresses and uh, references to the Australian Business Women's Network, and it takes a little while to undo all that. Sure. Well, actually, that really is a great segue into talking about understanding the critical path to a successful rebranding project. But before we jump to that, I just want to mention that I happen to know a lawyer that sounds very much like the person you're talking about. and (laughs) I'm actually catching up with her on Thursday. So I'm looking forward to that. So Let's talk about the key things one should consider. You were talking about lead times and what should you be looking at in terms of rebranding? There's, of course, the idea if you're a larger business or a medium-sized business, you know, changing all the documentation and the letterheads and all that sort of stuff. But what are the main things our listeners should be aware of if they're looking at rebranding their business? One of the first exercises we did, I saw down with my uh, with my advisory board but you could do this with your team or you could pull in a few customers even and we went through who are we and what do we stand for what are our values as an organization and that was kind of groundwork foundation work that we could use as a launching pad mm-hmm. then we looked at who is our ideal client who is it now but also who do we want to be attracting and I remember one of my friends would always, we used to use this stock photo of this woman in a gray suit and she would go, when are you going to get rid of that woman? <laughs> <laughs> this poor woman became, you know, the, the center of our fury. I was like, she's so not your customer. Right. So, so who is it? Who are you and what do you stand for and who is your ideal client? Um, and doing that client avatar or client persona, whatever you want to call it, work, you know, how do you, what is it that you want people to say about you? Quite often in brand discussions, you hear about Virgin, you know, they're kind of the renegade. Then there's um, Volvo, which is safe and secure. Mm. They're big brands. But similarly, um, this happened to me the other day, I was putting some copy together uh, and I was consulting with someone and she said, oh, tell them how much fun it's going to be. And I Mm. said, it doesn't, that doesn't fit my brand. Um, like people don't come to me for fun. We have a great time at our events, mm. don't get me wrong, but we don't sell people on the idea of come join her business for fun. No, no mm. come join your business, her business because your business will be transformed through this new network of people and the new education that you'll get and the support that you'll get. So it's just about you have to kind of keep the reins in on what's mm. true for you. Um, but on the more practical side of things, we created a, a project using teamwork uh, uh, that had different responsibilities in different areas of the whole branding rollout. And we gave ourselves, like the whole 
project took about a year, but we weren't working on it for the whole year. We started mm-hmm. to plant the seeds. We then had because we decided, stupidly or not, to also move. Um, not only upgrade the branding of our website, but we moved to a responsive site. So we basically rebuilt our site from the ground up in line with the launch of the new brand. Right. The other thing we did, which is, again, a bit of an aside, is we let people know that something was coming. And I recorded a couple of videos. Yes, I remember seeing those messages. Do you remember seeing that? Right. (laughs) Here's what's changing and here's what's staying the same. Because, you know, some people don't like change. Mm. And we really wanted our customers to really be on board with that this change was actually going to be a really great thing for them too. Um, But, you know, we broke down our path into, you know, what are the office administration type things? Everything from um, any trademarks you might hold or how you appear on uh, Google Maps or, you know, what the your email addresses are. Um, you know, are you in the online directories and what, is, you know, are you listed on any recommended sites? Um, updating accounts, and this has been a pain in the you-know-what <laughs> because, you know, a lot of our accounts, whether it's with lead pages or, you know, whatever, different suppliers we use – all set up with the old name and then some of them to then change to a new name you know you've got to cancel and then rejoin and Mm. anyway but you know if like us you have a lot of different suppliers you want to do that but then there's things like notifying all your suppliers of the name change and your banks merchant Mm. accounts credit cards and then there's the more practical things like you know do you use letterhead you know if you're a traditional type business that prints envelopes and letterhead then there's all of that then there's your digital signatures there's um all your communications of course your website we kind of already mentioned Mm -hmm. but you might have um a shopping system that lives in a different domain than your website that you want to update um but it's getting down to the minutiae on your collateral and, again, I'm, I'm just looking at a spreadsheet. We, I mean, we do a lot of stuff. So, mm. there was a lot. Podcasting. Mm. Sure. You know, uh, we, the way it's registered in iTunes. Like, whose podcast is it? Well, it's mm. not the Australian Business Women's Network anymore. Right. We had to go and change that. And just redirecting URLs. You know, we had um, – because we have a publisher-style website – we have a team of bloggers who produce articles on small business. Um, and so we had thousands of articles, but also hundreds of contributors. Mm. Um, and redirecting the URLs you think would be an easy thing, but it was one of the things that cost us a lot of manual hours right. uh, to fix up. We also have a library of, you know, 170 plus webinars. They still have the old branding. We're not going to about to go and uh, redo those. Mm-hmm. But the slides which we use, we had to create all new templates now uh, with the new branding. All our ebooks, all our cheat sheets, we offer a lot of free downloads, um, and all of those had the old branding. Um, so, I mean, I could go on and on and on, but yeah. <laughs> there's it, a lot of detail. It sounds like a good exercise would be for a business that's considering a rebranding exercise just to do a little mind map and put down all your stakeholders, and not, that's not just your customers, but your suppliers, your buyers, you know, everyone you interact with. And then think about how you're going to notify them. But mind you, this is for like a medium size to a large business, which is in the vicinity where you guys are, as opposed to a small business where it's a much simpler exercise. Yeah, it is much simpler. I, I actually consider us a small business, but we do a lot of marketing and we have a lot of communication. So, for instance, all your customer service emails, like if you have templated responses, whether it's you're giving someone an estimate or you're confirming an order or it's part of an email marketing sequence, you know, if you're using a templated format and it's all in the old brand, you've got to go through each campaign and update those. But, you know, you can chunk through it. And that's what I said, you know, it's about 
working through it slowly and just, you know, what are the low-hanging fruit? You know, if we have a weekly newsletter that goes out, then, you know, maybe that's the first thing to handle. You know, our right. website, for sure, how you answer, how your team answers the phone or if you have someone else answer the phone or how you answer the phone. Mm. Um, but it is about having a, a list and then just working through it. But it has to start with knowing what you want to stand for. Correct. And, that's a great and, point. And creating some guidelines and roadmaps for other people that might use your brand. Um and teamwork is a great tool to do this, to be able to chunk things down and hand it over to various people within your team and chunk down those tasks into mini projects. Yeah, with timelines and reminders and, you know, updates and, uh, you know, you can attach files and, you know, all the logos can be in one place, housed for people to map over to whatever it is they need to. Okay. So we're now approaching, in the interest of time, the the end part of our conversation which is the action section so if it's okay with you i'll just do a quick wrap up of the various things we talked yes, about that would and be great. then we'll jump into the actions okay so the key things we talked about was brand personality brand consciousness some people are more brand conscious than others the key thing that underlies all of this as a business owner is to be clear on what you stand for as a business and make sure that your brand and the messaging that you send out around your brand and your business is consistent with those values you don't need to have a massive huge style guide a big document if you're considering a rebranding strategy the key is to just use common sense and don't have your brand colors appearing as red one day and blue the next that's kind of a little bit obvious just try and be consistent with the color schemes try and make sure that your way of communicating is consistent let's say your brand is about getting things done or getting results for your clients and sure you have fun along the way but it's about results well in that case your messaging shouldn't be come and have fun with us it should be more come and get results with us and by the way we could have fun along the way but that's not part of your core messaging understand not just who your current client is when you're rebranding but also understand who your future ideal client is going to be and build your future brand around that. The last one is don't use branding as a way to procrastinate. You can always rebrand down the track. The key is to just get momentum and make it happen. You got it. What a great wrap up. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I took notes. <laughs> okay, great. Is there anything else you want to add, Susie? Uh, no, I really think that, especially for small business owners who might be doing this on their own, don't overthink it. You know, yes. just start start simple. I do encourage you, um, this is just a personal preference, mm -hmm. to unless you are going to be the brand and you're really happy with that, to take the time to uh, – you made a great point earlier that the name either speaks to the market Mm -hmm. What were the two things you said? It was really I good. said the brand typically should either call out the audience or the product yes. or ideally yes. both. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think that was that was my greatest takeaway from today. Oh, great. <laughs> well, I'm glad you had a takeaway It was today. well articulated. But again, who is your ideal client? Because it doesn't matter that I like red and, you know, uh, black, for instance. Who is my ideal client? Yes. Because they're the ones that have to resonate with the brand. Of course, I've got to love it. And for me, I love her business as a brand. Mm. I really do. I, it resonates. That's why I tucked away that little URL many, many years ago, mm. you know, but uh, I had to sort of get – because we were a ship that was going in a direction for a long, long time. Mm. And we had to deliberately say, you know what, we're going to change 
the way that we're the direction we're going. And I did have some people say, "Well, you know, I joined because you sounded like an association, and that's really what I was after. Hmm. So I no longer want this product or service." And I was like, "Cool, fair enough. Yeah. I know where I'm going. I'm, I'm really okay with that." And that's a good um, thing, isn't it, Susie? That's actually yeah. reinforcing that you are even more clear about your brand because a good brand doesn't just attract the right people; it also repels the repels. wrong ones. That's that's great, yeah. And better to be clear than wishy washy. Because as a friend, a good friend of mine, Michelle Falson, who we, you and I were chatting about before, yes. says is that you know if you're trying to be say everything to everyone, you end up saying nothing to no one. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Being wishy washy uh, won't get you there. Great. Thank and you. you know, to the earlier point, you were we were talking about those two things that a brand should call out. One is the audience, but. Beyond product, I think a brand should really call out a solution. So your audience and the solution you provide, because ultimately a product really solves a problem. And that kind of is what drove me to get that URL, getmetodone.com, because I thought, wow, if my client is so enthusiastic and saying, Ash, you got me to done, well, you know what? If I can get getmetodone.com, then that might end up being a good brand one day. Right. And some people... Um I don't want to backtrack too much, you know, just want to be clever. And mm. sometimes clever works. Like if you're uh, Mevo or Uber or, um, you know, pick a name that's two words squished together without any vowels, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> now and then that can work. But otherwise, better for people to know what on earth you do yeah. than trying to be clever. And I think this goes the same with, you know, we mentioned the principle earlier. Mm. You know, I have heard the most bizarre descriptions of people's titles, again, in the attempt to be really clever. Yes. And what it does is leaves your audience confused. So a confused buyer will not buy. <laughs> you know, a confused you know, audience will not buy. I interviewed Brian Clark, I think, on episode 116 or 117. And he always said something that really struck with me. He said, clarity always trumps cleverness when it comes to content. And I, I think that really applies across the board. Okay, so how do listeners find out about you, Susie? And is there anything else you'd like to add before we say goodbye? I want to say thanks so much for having me here. I hope hey, there was it's some a pleasure. takeaways for people. Um, if people just head over to herbusiness.com, uh, that's where you'll find us. But I want to give them two specific things to look out for. Sure. One is our freebies section. So we've got different templates and downloads and cheat sheets and tools there for small business owners. Mm -hmm. The other is the podcast section uh, under which you'll see uh, the podcast that, that we produce specifically for women business owners. Now, we have a lot of male listeners. Okay. <laughs> Me included, yep. You included. And um, yeah, I just want to say thanks. It's been great to be here. I'll get my team to grab the links that you mentioned and we'll put that in the show notes so the listeners can go and access those. So it's herbusiness.com and they just go to the podcast section to get access yep. to the podcast. And what's the freebie section called? What's the URL for that? Do you know? oh, <laughs> it's awesome. just forward slash freebies. You'll see it right on the navigation on the homepage at herbusiness.com. You just awesome. click the freebies button and you'll see the list of things available. Well, look, I'm, I can't wait to share that with my audience. And if there's anything else you'd like to share, just shoot me an email. I'll add that to the show notes as well. Will do. Thank you so much. Thanks, Susie. Bye for now. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Productive Insights Podcast. You can find all the links in the show notes below this episode on ProductiveInsights.com. You can also ask questions in the comment section that Ash personally answers. How can Ash help you today?